This is Kareem Cronfley, and welcome to the Audio Drama Hub podcast. In this episode, we're rejoining Faith McGuinn and James Oliver for part two of their discussion about directing. I think we actually hit the uh, how do you rate an actor's when they're not quite hitting the notes yeah. and stuff like that. Like, that's actually kind of cool. We, we did that one. So I think they had one other question here for us, and it was the uh, how do you encourage diversity in your cast and where do you look for your cast? Well, I mean, it depends on diversity because I, yeah. I hear I see diversity and I think of a, a plethora of things. One of them is, you know, audio diversity, mm-hmm. which is something that is somewhat of a problem, I think, in audio fiction drama is that there's a lot of sameness in, in, in voices. Mm-hmm. And this will lead into the other aspect of diversity is that probably because there's just not enough, just we're not ethnically diverse enough and we're also not diverse enough in, in you know, in a, in a plethora of other areas. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, I specifically knew going in that I needed to cast people in the show that didn't, that and made sure that all the voices sounded different as much as possible from each other. I don't have a lot of voices that have a lot of sameness amongst each other in the show and that's a, a imperative for me because of just how busy the show is and how much I ask of the audience in general. So the most – one of the best things I could do for them is to create and to have characters that have very distinct voices and or sounds to them so that you don't lose track of, you know, that they're important to listen to or something like that. But the diversity aspect of um, being ethnically diverse and just, you know – uh, people of diverse backgrounds in general. I don't know. I mean, that that was something I know I set out to do, and I know that we did it as well as one could expect. But I, I don't know the best way to go about doing that other than, like, I know I went and went to uh, Twitter. Uh, there's, um, uh, I think it's like there's a voice actor, people of color, a voice actor um, Twitter account that I uh, that I reached out to. And um, I know within the the call sheets, we specifically stated that you know this role is for uh, within this ethnicity or and or gender type. But a lot of the genders and the ethnicities, I think we we threw out the window. But we we definitely try to make a push to, or I say we, I, I'm really saying me. I don't know why. It's, <laughs> it's we, the royal we because we're trying to be more. It's the royal we than we are. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me. Yes, it's the royal we. Tried to be very. Uh, diverse on on purpose i mean i i, I was lucky i kind of came in what do they call it like uh, golden silver bronze i came in, in the bronze age of of audio drama mm-hmm. so you know kind of really that that third generation in you know there had already been like you know we are live and yeah, then there was yeah. like, the second generation people of like you know greater boston and you know um ours paradoxica and um bright sessions and yeah then, we're babies we're then, the toddlers know, <laughs> yeah, we kind of snuck right in there, uh, right at the right time, I think, because any later, and we would have been lost in a sea of just other shows, because yeah. there, there's just so many. Uh, so I was able to glean, even though I wasn't as well-versed in audio drama and audio fiction as as a whole, I understood that, A, there were shows I'd listened to that I couldn't keep track of the characters because of oh my gosh, the yes. sounding alike. Mm-hmm. And I felt also to there i knew that as a community we were discussing a lot of just the the disparity between just how white the the industry was mm-hmm. and so and and how hetero a lot of it had started and i know that we're i think as a community i mean i see us as as a very very queer community and 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 we're very um diverse in that way and yeah. and very very welcoming to all types but i feel like at the time it, it wasn't as much. So there was a lot of push from my end to to make sure that we were just being ethical. <laughs> you know, right, right. What we were doing. Yeah. You know, you got to cast basically 
almost live, right? Because you cast locally. Yes. And that was, it was really me trying to, um, okay. Uh, When I started the show and we did all the characters, I had at least three people, which was three more than I was expecting, tell me that they were surprised that I had a group of friends that were ethnically diverse on a show. (laughs) So this was weird to me because I wrote it as I grew up and um, my friend group is ethnically diverse. So I didn't think it was all that Mm -hmm. strange for a black guy to be friends with a Puerto Rican since one of my best friends is Puerto Rican. Like, I just don't understand why that was such a weird thing, but (laughs) I was trying to, you know, serve the purpose of the characters and find actors that match those ethnic backgrounds. So it was probably, I, I guess my way to encourage diversity in my cast was to encourage it in my characters. Mm-hmm. I guess, so to speak, you know, I, I purposefully, I had, I did have a character that was male and I switched it because I, my friend, Wendy Keeling, I wanted her to play the part. So I wrote the character as a woman so she could play the part. I made her audition yeah. anyway. I didn't tell her I wrote it for her, uh, <laughs> but I was like, it's your part. I I told her after the fact, but it was this idea of like making a diverse cast by making diverse characters is what I was trying to do with boom and um, with margaritas and donuts there. It's not diverse, but it was purposeful that I wanted to tell a story about black love and specifically people over 40. So that's the cast I was going for Mm -hmm. was like, I was like, I need people of color in my cast who are of a certain age. So it was, that was me, you know, not making a diverse decision, but also trying to tell a story that isn't out there because I'm sitting here trying to think, are there any other audio dramas with like romantic leads who are over 40 and black? I There could be. I'm not saying there aren't. I just have yet to find them. <laughs> yeah, no, I think anyone, I think a lot of people would struggle with that, that, that quest. I think, I think you're probably right on that. So it was this idea of like trying to tell the stories that I want to tell that are from things that I know, but also making sure again, with the voice thing, I was very adamant about making sure that my characters all sound different. In fact, I didn't cast a very good actor because he sounded like one of my leads. Mm. It's like, I I was like, you are very good, good, but you sound exactly like Brian and I can't (laughs) have someone who sounds exactly like my lead character. It just won't work. So it's just, it's sad. And you're just like, oh, I want to use you, but I can't do that. (laughs) And yeah, it's very important in audio to make sure that everybody can distinctly understand who these characters are, because you don't want to say someone's name over and over again. It gets weird to be like. Yeah, that's that's something that I fought against when writing the show was that concept of like, that was like one of the main notes I would get back from from Alexander when I would send him the the scripts is that, oh, um, that's great. Uh, By the way, in this one scene, no one said the characters' names and no one's going to, so just, and it was was a matter of just me trying to find uh, inventive ways to bring up a name as opposed to manufacturing it i think that was also one of those things that that's kind of a turned out to be kind of a fun game of like ah, oh, i gotta figure out how to put a name in here okay uh you know and it it's not too too hard i mean even a lot of us will will do it even in life we'll be like um faith yeah uh, are, are, are you there <laughs> right uh, right or, and, you just, you know, and you just have to stick those things in yeah and i've done things exactly. where i have um characters who say 
a certain thing. Like Myra always calls Porter Mr. So even mm, if I don't yes. say Porter's name, if she says that, you know who she's talking to. So it's one of those things where it's like, if I can just have nicknames or something that you always say to that person. So it's an indication that that's the person they're talking to and that's who else is in the room. It's just... Yeah. No, I, I do the same thing, actually. Actually, I'm very, very annoying to be <laughs> reading or dealing with my stuff is that I do a lot of like I name characters one name and then I usually have them get called like by a nickname within the within the show and never get called by their real name. But the real name is in the script, <laughs> like as far as like how they're cast. So like Doug Kowalski uh, is the devil. Most of the time we call him the devil in the show. Or no, we call him we call him Doug actually quite a bit. It's the opposite. We don't ever call him the devil too often. No one just says the devil, but he's in the script. That's his that's his name in the script. The devil, <laughs> the devil, the devil, the devil. And so there's a lot of that. Or like Walter's troubles and um, Whitney is mostly Wit. Oh or yeah, yeah. Whitney. Uh, she she doesn't have a last name, uh, so <laughs> there's a lot of trying to navigate that around when people are trying to be formal. So it's usually just Miss Wit or Miss Whitney. Actually, you brought up something interesting. Is that is that one of the things that that this process has, and this goes to people that are that that are basically you know that are listening to this, that are directing and, and creating their own show and stuff like that, is and, and handling the casting process. Is that it basically does not matter. Uh, within the confines of telling your story and anything having to do with what's most important is talent. Yes. If you want to cast somebody who's black in your in your lead role, that should not stop you one iota. It does should not affect your story any. It should it, right. it should not be a question of like, yeah, but he was white in my head. No, fuck that. No, no, no that doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter. Right. Unless it um, is serving know, the purpose of the story. You want the most talented person in the role. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, like if your character is going through, you know, struggles with being persecuted because they're part of the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, don't cast a white actor. That's probably a bad idea. But, yes. you know, I think gender flipping is, is something that's so easily done that I don't understand why it doesn't happen more often. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I, it, it almost always like I, I discover with my show of how inconsequential <laughs> I, I gender flip. A bunch of characters yeah just to get actors in because i found that so many of the women that had auditioned were so freaking amazing and i still had and and there were guys that i liked but didn't like as much as these women so i had a grip of these women just sitting there that i i didn't have a space for them necessarily so i was i started creating spaces of just flipping the characters and going does that character need to be a man? i wrote it as a man but like i don't distinctly have like any major thing in here that keeps it from being a woman so like yeah okay it's a woman now uh (laughs) or you know uh you know this person is you know gender fluid or it mattered so little to the story in a lot of cases as to as to who's what it's just a matter of getting the best talent in there and i think that's uh, another bit of advice that i could say is that don't be precious with your words with the actors as much and also don't be so precious with your, you know, the small, minute detail in your head about something so insignificant that you can't break it. Of course you can break it. Yes. And if you are looking for, I would say if you're looking, like, I have, a, if you have a trans character and you're looking for a trans actor to play the part and you're like, I can't find any, I can't find any, you're not looking hard enough by the way, mm-hmm. um, because it is sure. audio. And even if you want to record everything in studio and you can't find a trans actor that's local, guess what? You can use a remote person. It's not, oh, sure. 
you don't have to do that. And we, I did some gender, I did a gender flip on the character Jordan, who was supposed to be male and in fact was going to be in a relationship with Porter's sister. And then I just cast a woman and left everything the same. Still in a relationship yeah. with Porter's sister. Didn't matter. I was like, this still works. The person who's yep. in the role, Sarah Jane, was the greatest actor who came in and did the part. And I was like, okay, Jordan's a woman now. I didn't change like yeah. one line, one anything about the script. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, she's reading these lines. Because love is the same there. regardless. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And I yeah. was just like, no, she was the best for the part. It all worked out. We're great. And we went with perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah. Because I think even if like, I think it's just a, a perfect scenario. Um, we I gender flipped Detective Joy in my show to being um, female from uh, Danielle Shamaya. Because Danielle Shamaya is so freaking amazing that when I heard their audition, I was like, "I no, 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 I need her in the show. But she didn't necessarily fit 100%. Maybe some of the other ones that I had completely open for, for like women. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I had to get her in there somehow. So I was like, but she was so strong and so perfect for Detective Joy. I was like, all right, that's no, she's going to be Detective Joy. And gender flipped it and found that there was just really no... Uh, I didn't lose anything mm-hmm. in that, in, in doing that. So... Um, yeah, I think, uh, always be open, always be open to, to, to making adjustments and, and you'll be better for it. Your show will be better for it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, you know what we didn't answer was, uh, what is a director? What is the definition of a director for an audio show? Or did we, I think we did. (sighs) Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, I think an encapsulation of that is just, you know, you, you are the leader, you're the leader, you're the one with the vision. And I think, yeah, we did cover that aspect is that, is that it's, it's incredibly important to, you're the North star. Let's say that. You're the the creative North star. Star. I wouldn't say that. Like, yeah, right. I mean, I have a producing partner. Amanda is my, I have a producer and so when we are on set, and she pretty much, she, she keeps me in check on the non-creative stuff. I guess I would say yeah. that that's what, because again, like that's I said, when you're, yeah. when you're wearing the one hat, it's hard to wear the other hat. And I can't wear the producer hat when I'm wearing the director hat. It doesn't work. So right. I, I need. Right. But I those decisions still kind of go through you too, though, right? Like Amanda goes, okay, this is what we're going to do. Oh, yeah. And you still have to go, yeah, let's do that. You're, kind of, you're still kind of like. I'm you're, still you're, the producer, still- but yeah. <laughs> I'm the executive producer. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Amanda. I'm not trying to say that you're not important. I'm just saying to, to Faith right now as, that, as far that as she is the North now, Star. She, I, I am the North Star. I am exactly, I am. exactly. I think that I think that's ultimately the the easiest bite sized way to encapsulate it is that you need to just be the North Star. And even when you don't know, it's okay not to know. It's even okay to acknowledge it. But you got to figure it out. You, you do. You have to go in a with lot a plan. People. If you don't go in with a plan, yeah. if you don't know where you're going with this project, you don't know what you're going to do when you're in the room. Oh, it's going to look like oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna oh, yeah. Oh, it's going to be it's so like obvious. It. It's so obvious. I am I, another teaching anecdote, and then I'm done. I told my students, okay. nobody believed me. I still don't know if they believe me, but I, I would tell them, I was like, this is your assignment. This is how many days you have to do it. And I will know if you did it all in one day <laughs> and they're like, no, you won't. I'm like, yes, yes, I will. <laughs> I will completely and totally know if you did everything at the last minute, because it will read like that. And that is the same thing in directing. If you don't plan ahead, if you don't go in with a plan, if you don't know what you're going to do before you step into the room to do it, it will show you, yeah. you will have a rushed project. You will have a half done thing. It won't work. You'll spend way too much time trying to fix the things after the fact mm-hmm. when you could have had the best performance in the room to begin with if you had just planned. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't want to do pickups because it's your it's your fault, right? <laughs> you don't want to yeah, you don't want to make actors do things again because you didn't know what you wanted or didn't know yes. what you were doing, and you're like, oh, 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 I got it now. It's like, oh yeah, could you have had it like when we did it? Right. Yeah, that would have been nice, I guess. But uh, this is what you got. Yeah, the best <laughs> the best thing to have pickups for is because you went through the scene and you're like, oh crap, I need five more pages because I've never done that ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Written exactly. entirely new scenes, so people have to come back. Yeah, and no, <laughs> it happens. That happens. It's a wonderful. It's a wonderful moment. I think it is. It's um, so good. It's exciting for everybody. <laughs> Everyone loves it. Everyone does. I, I, yeah, I do. I love it. My you know, my actors love it. Everyone loves it. Let's just not be Scrabble. Peter Jackson, who was literally um, editing Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, two days before it was supposed to premiere. So. Oh my god, that's me. Oh my god, that's me. <laughs> oh my god. I was so perfect up to a point. Um I planned everything out for my for all our scheduling. Did all my recording. I did my I did I wrote the show in in a, in a month and a week. Oh, that's impressive. And I didn't do any real rewrites. I just did a few, but no nothing that I would consider like anything that I would consider maybe like 1.5, but not a a 2.0. So we went straight into casting and then did all the almost all the recording within that month of June. So by July, we had almost everyone's stuff for the entire season, with the exception of the two leads. And that all, then everything at that point was in my court. You know, I just had to edit the dialogue together and then give it off to Alex. That took forever. It took. I had so much. It was such a daunting task of of getting through all of that audio and, and that large cast. Yeah. And it just turned out to be. The, the one aspect I didn't plan as well for. But honestly, if you're not going to plan something as well as you could have, put it, it, it the more inconvenient is on you than it is on anybody else, the better off yes, yes. the world is. If it's on so, you, then it's on you. Yeah. If you're inconveniencing anyone, just inconvenience yourself is really the, uh, the, uh, the lesson learned there. Yeah. I'm just, that's, am- okay. So from concept to finished episode one how long uh you're counting concept isn't like the idea or concept no, is in the like starting to, to write, write, it, write to starting to write sorry concept oh, could have been years. Uh, <laughs> this is gonna sound scary five months oh my gosh really oh yeah no. yeah i was i was on fire to do it i don't know why i'm saying that that's how margaritas and donuts happened i just i blew straight through that stuff i can't it's been three months maybe and yeah I sat down and I just, I was like, all right, I'm going to write this. And I had just finished writing a screenplay and had submitted to festivals. And I was trying to to get into the whole process of um, writing a screenplay a year. And then I shifted over to doing audio drama for my next project. So I was just determined that I wanted to get in before I was sensing a, a, a wave of, of, of a lot of shows coming in. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I knew that the audio drama was going to blow up. And I said, "Okay, well, you need to get it in this year. So if you're going to do it, you got to do it now." It took me a little while to sit down. So by uh, what was it by late February, I was starting to sit down. And then I would say March was my real start time, uh, the beginning of March, and then all the way through the first week of April. And that's when I holy wow, that's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, no, I know Alex. Alex still uh, Alexander uh, still. I, I, we were literally at Podtails, and he just was like, I still can't believe you did it in a month and a week. And I was like, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not doing it now that way. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's taking forever. Well, I called Margaritas and Donuts my uh, What Lies Beneath, and I have no idea if you get this reference, but I always have to explain it to people. But um, Robert Zemeckis was working on Castaway, 
Uh-huh. And um, they shot the beginning of Castaway, and then Tom Hanks had to lose like 40 or 50 pounds so they could do uh-huh. the rest of it. Mm-hmm. And so they stopped shooting so that he could lose the weight. So they took like a year off. And Robert Zemeckis is like, I don't like sitting around and twiddling my thumbs. So he made What Lies Beneath with Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer. He just made another movie um, while he was waiting to finish Castaway. And I was like, so Margaret is a Donuts is my What Lies Beneath because of life getting in the way with uh, working on Boom. Like season four was supposed to start in October. But things happened and that's what happens. And so we're not starting until February and I can't just sit around and not do things. I had done a short film script called Margaritas and Donuts and entered it in some competitions and it got to round two, but then didn't get any farther. And I was like, oh, well, we should just shoot a film while we're waiting. And then I realized, Mm -hmm. or... Or I could expand this script and we could do it as a six-part series. So it all just kind of, Good for you. let's do this instead. Awesome. And then so we did it and I'm like, and then we're just going to put it out. And now everybody's like, let's do a season two. And I'm like, guys, no, that wasn't, that wasn't the plan. <laughs> that wasn't in the cards. That was, this was me doing this <laughs> while I wasn't working <laughs> on Boom. So yeah, but Boom definitely took me longer. I'm trying to like remember my timeline and I can't remember my timeline anymore. <laughs> but I probably it was probably a year, maybe something. Well, like also that. too, you 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 plan more than I do um, <laughs> when it comes to writing. Um, no, you do. Uh, a lot of people do though. I I'm a bit of I, I'm a mix. So I like to plant markers on the map. Um, so I'll go. I know this is what I want. Okay, then I go up the map a little bit. I put a marker down. I go get. I know I want that. And we're gonna go there. And then we're gonna go there. But how we're going to get there and all of the ways and maybe some of the discovery that happens for me changes how we get to these points on the map. But the the points on the map are almost always the same. They don't ever really move. They're just, you know, I might take longer to get there or I may move them to a further point on the map, but it's still basically somewhere else on there, but it's there, which, you know, happened in first season. I think um, I moved. There was going to be a broader changes and, and reveals uh in the first season and i just bumped some of those up and i think i stole something from what i was going to do in season two and bumped that forward so there was just some things that that changed along the way in that way but yeah uh, i i do a lot of uh i don't do like there's some of us out there that do are like pansters which are their yes people that right by the seat of the i cannot <laughs> I, I don't do that I do, I do do it to a degree because i like discovery i like that moment where i where i'm writing a scene and i go oh Oh, okay, 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 okay. I get it, I get it, I get it. Okay. Yeah. So, you are coming from that direction, and you are a little sneak. <laughs> or, or something like that. You know, like... Yeah. And then I get... I, I like that moment. So, that moment could get... That moment might not happen if I overplanned, where I get to go, oh, this... Okay, okay, you. I know you now. And I like that moment, because I feel like it gives me a little bit of freedom to kind of take uh, things in a certain direction. But I try also try to keep within the parameters of the character that I'm creating is that I, I, I'm definitely not one of those people that believes that, you know, you should, um, you know, the characters are, um, you know, just vessels to, to, to just get the information out there. And oh, I'm just God. Do whatever no, I need to do. no, never. Yeah, they do what they so, want. They make decisions. I'm, exactly. I fully believe that my characters make decisions that I don't want them to make. And it happens anyway. And I have to go with it. But yeah. 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 No, I, yeah. I, I also try to oh, pay attention to verbiage and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it was eight months. I just looked. So it was from writing the first episode to the first episode coming out was eight months. 
So oh, okay. so not not as long as I thought, but I was probably in my head for longer. Yeah, no, those turn out, I, as far as I know, I mean, eight months, five months turnarounds are kind of not as common. I think a lot of people, especially with bigger projects, because yours is an ensemble and there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. There's a lot that goes into ours that there's a lot more time that usually goes into the stuff. So I think a lot of people think, you know, from the con- from the concept to when it premieres at least a year. Right. Is yeah. what pe- most people would say. But I don't know. I just was like, I need to get it out in 2017 and I need to get it out. I wanted to get it out towards Halloween. Oh, go, go. It up a month to like, because Alex... Alexander was really dead set against not doing it at all in 2017. <laughs> he wanted to get it in 2018. <laughs> that again, okay. So if this is at all going to make it into the end product, is that as the person who's show running and 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 it's my show, there were just contingencies. I said, well, look, you know, you you want I'm giving you full creative control over basically the sound design. You know, I have a vision and I have a thing that that I want, and I'm going to approve the things and stuff like that. That's given. But you have a lot of room to play and do what you want to do. But I have certain stipulations is that we need to hit certain goals with deadlines so and i knew without those deadlines that you know we could just fall apart so having the deadline setting them in place and then and and being adamant about hitting them is i feel was incredibly important to the end product of the show and it resonating when it did otherwise i feel like i just i, I think you know inconsistent release dates stuff like that can definitely hinder though not damn but can hinder an audience from connecting. Yeah. And I think that was what was a big deal for me to make sure that we recorded the full season. Mm-hmm. Um, like I didn't want to start editing until we had recorded the full season, which is probably why season four is going to take long because we had to spread out recording more. And I haven't actually sat down and edited anything because I wanted to have everything I needed before we started editing. Mm, yeah. And it is just like, oh, yes, because I want when the episodes start, I want them to start and I want them to keep going. And I don't want to. <laughs> worry about oh i have to write this i have to record this i have to do this i just wanted sure and i think it, yeah, again you're, you're it's that a film element of order. it's that film process in me that it's like pre-production production post-production that i don't yeah i don't need them to overlap i appreciate that by the way because actually i got to work with somebody who who works in the industry and therefore scheduled our recording around in the way that you do a film set sort of thing so like you can wrap people up in like a day by coordinating it correctly by having everyone there in certain times so that basically a side character or or a supporting character can get wrapped up in like a couple hours oh, yeah. and then that's you're just freeing everybody up until you have your main cast and then you've scheduled everything in a way that and granted things are out of order a bit but i found it to be just incredible we recorded an entire season of sword and the stoner in two days oh yeah that's what that's what we've been doing and again i know that amanda doesn't matter right now but she does matter in the fact that of course she, yes, she does. wonderfully coordinated the schedule of 25 people so that yeah. we could get everything recorded in two days and the only person who was in studio all day was garrett because he was in every scene so it's just yeah. like you have to be there all day, but everybody else was in, did their stuff, left. We moved right yeah. through, and yeah, I would have never been able to handle trying to figure that all out and direct people. So yeah, no, absolutely, I agree. But yeah, yeah, I think should we try to wrap up? Do we just go? Hey, so thanks for the conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was lovely to talk to you and have it recorded. Yeah, no, Faith, I, I honestly, I mean. It was, it's incredible to get a chance to talk to you. I love talking to you. I got to have a taste of our conversation from, from Podcast Movement. So I was excited. And so thank you so much for, for talking about all this stuff with me. And, and this was fun. And hopefully yes. we've taught, hopefully we taught some people stuff. Uh, hopefully, yeah. And then we, we yeah. need to have another conversation about writing. Cause 
Yes. I want to talk about writing. Yeah. With you. And then we should collaborate on a writing project. I'm yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That'll that'll be dope. That we should do something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Absolutely. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. We're going to make a thing. <laughs> It'll be in like 2022 after I finish the five projects I'm going to work on. Oh, yeah. No, but that's perfect, though. And I say we resolve our the idea now is that we are writing this thing to get picked up by Netflix. Oh, amen. Uh, so it, this is this is just amen. IP that we're going to sh- launch into into audio drama world, and then we're going to go, hey, buy us, buy us, yes, yes, <laughs> and listen to what's the frequency? Yes, because it please, is brilliant, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, you want you want to cry for a while, listen to Boom, and uh, and and get those heartstrings going. All right, I think that's the that's it. We did it. Excellent. Thanks so much, Faith. I had a great time. Oh, it was so nice, James. I love talking to you.